words on water. Welcome to Words on Water, a podcast from the Water Environment Federation. This is the host, Travis Loop. Delighted to be joined by Jamie Eichenberger. He is the president-elect of the WEF Board of Trustees and also an associate vice president at HDR. Jamie, thanks for coming on the podcast. And you, Travis. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about infrastructure funding for this episode. Uh, the Water Environment Federation, the board, recently issued a position statement on infrastructure funding. We'll dive into that. Uh, and, and one of the things it starts with, I think, is defining what the problem is with infrastructure funding. What, what's going on? What, what's the problem with the current status and landscape around funding of water infrastructure? Sure. Well, Travis, as you know, and um, I'm sure all, all of our listeners are very aware of, you know, we've spent trillions of dollars over the years um, building a, a really strong backbone of infrastructure for water, wastewater, stormwater um, across the United States. Um, and we continue to invest in that infrastructure, but a lot of it seems to be focused on the growth, um, you know, addressing new regulatory changes. And we haven't necessarily put aside as much uh, money to maintain that existing um, investment and the bills coming due. A lot of our pipes are 100, 200 plus years old um, across the country. Uh, we're seeing aging, aging infrastructure at our treatment facilities, our reservoirs. So there's big needs for funding across the board. And you know, without increasing that funding, we'll start to see service failures. So what does that mean in real life? Well, we may have some public health impacts. Uh, we're, we may have fish kills and other environmental impacts. Um, and so as, as we're, we're thinking about how to address those, we know we need the investment. And one of the issues is just limited funding. Um, you know, as important as the water sector is, there's a lot of other competing um, funding priorities for our cities and communities. And one of the things we found is unfortunately, some of the communities that are most severely harmed by this underfunding tend to be our disadvantaged communities, our historically underserved communities, um, tribal, rural, inner city communities. Um, and so there's a, a real social justice and equity issue tied into all this too. So um, we recognize that need to increase the funding across the board um, and are just uh, exploring a lot of different ways of how to achieve that. Sure. I know that I've, I think I've seen statistics about federal contribution to water infrastructure, you know, used to be a, a pretty significant portion, 60%, 70% of, of the of the money that went into it. And now it's down to maybe around 7% of the water infrastructure funding comes from the federal government. So uh, there's definitely a need there. So yeah, those EPA grant program days are long behind us. So um, yeah, it's, it's time to get going again. So what what is the Water Environment Federation seeking? What are we calling for to address these problems? Sure. So one of the things that we're looking at is we recognize this um, isn't just a problem in the United States. This is a global issue. Um, and national governments are, um, are around the world really need to look at how they can substantially increase the direct funding and finance assistance um, for water infrastructure. Um, so just putting more money to the problem. Um, that's, that's number one. 
Um, but beyond that, we also need to make sure that our, our state or provincial level governments are also taking full advantage of the funding resources that are available and putting some of the, um, I'll say, human and kind of administrative infrastructure in place to make sure that we're getting the most use out of, um, out of the funding that is available. Um, in, in the United States, as an example, um, state revolving fund organizations can um, bundle a lot of projects together and go through the WIFIA mechanism at the federal level to um, get additional funding to support those state and local projects. So making sure that those, um, th those regional governments are aware of those programs and opportunities and uh, that they're um, trained up and doing the most they can do to uh, leverage the, all the federal funding opportunities that are coming down. Um, it, in addition, I think there's a uh, recognition that we probably have more needs than we have resources to pay for. So making sure that the, um, both at the, at the national level and also that state provincial level, that we have some regulatory flexibility and some, some technical cooperation to be able to facilitate innovative infrastructure financing approaches. Um, so we can't keep doing things the way we've been doing. Um, doing that has allowed us just to fall further and further behind. So providing some flexibility there to allow us to, again, make the most out of the limited resources we do have. And then we also wanna make sure that all levels of government, um, down to the local level, um, and, and the stakeholders, the utilities, um, you know, the consultants and the other members in our water sector um, increase their understanding of some of these innovative water infrastructure funding and financing approaches. Uh, so how can we leverage maybe it's private par um, private public partnerships and things like that um, to offset some of the costs of improvements away from the ratepayers um, and help bring in some of those um, leveraged financing state revolving fund with you. Uh, those are becoming kind of standard at this point, but making sure that they fully understand what the long term cost impacts of those are. Um, and then I'll, I'll add one in too, you know, making sure that people understand effective asset management. So we're getting the most useful life out of our um, existing investments that we can, um, you know, shooting for that just in time replacement. So we aren't, um, we aren't repairing things before we need to, but we're also not waiting until after they fail, where it may cost three, four times the cost as if we'd been proactive about it. And then the final, the final item that um, has come up in some of these discussions is really making sure that the funds that we collect from our uh, water utility ratepayers are preserved for water infrastructure investments. Um, again, a, a lot, there are a lot of competing interests for the limited funding that's available. So we wanna make sure that um, the funds that are collected, especially if we're building up cash reserves for some, um, you know, um, building up that piggy bank for some of the future investments we know we need, we need to make sure those don't get siphoned off for other projects within um, a city or a county or another organization. Sure. You made a number of critical points there that, that point to the idea that this is not just about getting bigger checks from the federal government. This is about being smarter with the funds that are there, looking for innovative ways to use funds, and uh, doing a lot of education across the board on, on ways to do all of that. So it, it's it's not just looking for a check, although that's that's a big part of it, but it's it's uh, paying a lot of attention to these other these other aspects. Right, right. And uh, I, I will just reemphasize, we would like to see more federal investment. So um, <laughs> you know, the, the, get, getting that bigger check is probably top of the list for us. Sure. Um, but recognizing that uh, regardless of the size of the check, it will probably never be big enough um, to address all the gaps that we have right now. So we do need to think about ways beyond uh, uh, beyond just federal funding. 
Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of news recently uh, from the White House and Congress about uh, infrastructure proposal and what that might look like. Uh, there's some pretty big figures out there when it comes to water. Uh, Want to get your thoughts on what the what's being proposed there in in Washington and uh, what WEF might be seeking out of that. Travis, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, you know, President Biden came in with the Build Back Better plan. Um, and as part of that, he's pulled together an infrastructure package. It's just a proposal at this point, but there's $111 billion in there uh, for water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure. Um, now that's spread out over the next 10 years, but there are, that's, a, that's a healthy ch chunk of money and, and a good investment. And it's nice to see the recognition there that um, infrastructure goes beyond just you know, the surface, roads and bridges, the things that we can see. Um, breaking that down a little bit, um, of that 111 billion, 45 billion is dedicated to replacing lead service lines, another 10 billion um, for PFAS treatment in drinking water. Um, so those are great, those are important. Um, selfishly, as, as uh, you know, the WEF guy, I'd, I'd love to see more uh, dedicated for wastewater and stormwater programs. Um, so, uh, you know, about half of that is taken off the top for drinking water priorities. Um, not that those are unimportant, and especially some of the ones like lead service line replacement, those um, back to that social justice and equity issue we talked about earlier, it's really important. I'm glad we're putting funding towards these things, fixing some of these problems that we've all collectively recognized have been issues for a while and putting some funding towards them. But that only leaves 56 billion left for um, other water, wastewater and stormwater projects. So to put that in perspective, that 56 billion over the next 10 years um, is, uh, is a healthy investment. You know, let's assume it's spent evenly 5.6 billion a year. Um, that, that's great. However, 2021, um, the omnibus spending bill had about 4.7 billion um, in there. So, you know, the, the um, 5.6 is great, but it's not on top of the existing funding. So that would wrap in some of those existing programs. So we're expecting to see expansions of those greater funding, and that is a 30% increase. So um, I always, I, I feel greedy when I start to talk about this because I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's never enough. Um, but I, I think there really is a, a, a need for additional investment on top of what we're already seeing. So um, again, I'm, I'm happy to take the 30% uh, increase, but you know, I'd love to see it double. Um, and and uh, uh, you know, it's not not just me wanting to get my hands on every dollar I can for the federal government. Um, you know, the uh, ASCE does their infrastructure report cards. They just updated these again for 2021, um, and we, we saw some improvements. Um, drinking water got out of the D range. We're up to a C minus. Um, wastewater is still to D plus, unfortunately. And stormwater, which was just included for the first time, um, got a D. And uh, stormwater alone, um, you, you may recall, we've completed uh, MS4 survey in 2020 that was highlighting the need for stormwater funding. And we found a, an annual funding gap of eight and a half billion per year. Hmm. So, um, you know, that's that that's a hefty chunk of, um, uh, of, of that remaining need. But it combined drinking water, wastewater, stormwater, there's an anticipated gap of 434 billion by 2029. So over the next, um, you know, eight years, we're we're looking at a gap of 434 billion. And uh, as uh, as massive and as progressive as this infrastructure um, funding plan is, mm -hmm. there's only 111 billion in there. 
So we're getting, you know, a little more than a quarter of what we need to help address that gap through this program. So we still have a long way to go on that. And of course, you know, this is just a proposal at this point. Uh, you know, there's a lot that has to happen in, in Congress uh, to address that proposal, change that proposal, get something passed. So um, we'll, we'll have to see where it ends up, right? Right. And um, right now, you know, Biden's proposes plan, but there's no legislative language um, written to it yet. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the, the House and the Senate are going to have to come up with their own bills. Um, and there's no guarantee that it'll pass. Uh, you know, I think this is a, a very popular program. So I'm, um, I'm hopeful that we can get the political support behind it to be able to do that. But but that political support doesn't go um, doesn't come from you know nowhere. It takes all of us, um, you know, experts in the water community, but also just members of our local communities. You know, we are all we are all voters for um, a representative and two senators in each state. So we all really need to be thinking about how we can reach out and um, get that get that message heard that this is very important. I think infrastructure funding across the board is very important. But also keeping in mind that um, that infrastructure package includes a lot more than just water sector priorities, mm. roads and bridges. There's a lot of social infrastructure and other things included. And I guarantee you every lobbying group for those um, different sectors is going to be fighting hard to make sure that they're getting the biggest piece of that pie that they can. So we need to be out there, um, you know, being a loud voice, being visible and, um, you know, fighting hard for, for our own piece of that pie as we go forward. Absolutely. Well, what are what are some ways that you would love to see WEF members and others in the water sector go about doing that? Um, you know, the, the good news is we have a lot of great resources within WEF to help us um, get our, make our voice heard. Um, so first and foremost, I hope everybody knows about WEF's Water Advocates Program, um, but if not, um, it's a grassroots program. So it's intended that uh, we would love to see all of our members um, Heck, get your friends and family involved, um, but uh, sign up and it tells you about uh, news alerts with specific legislation um, that is coming out that we want to support. And with uh, a few keystrokes, um, you can go in there, enter your name, uh, your home address, and it will pop up who your representatives are, what their um, email addresses are, and they even provide some um, kind of template language, uh, which you can just forward right along to your elected uh, members of Congress. Uh, for to, to get that input, or it gives you the ability to edit it if you'd like to personalize it, um, add some additional details to it as well. Um, I, I've been a member of this for a few years and I use it all the time and um, it takes less than two minutes. Uh, from the time I get an email from uh, from Amy Kathman telling me there's something <laughs> that we need to uh, need to be out there and supporting uh, to the time I have that email sent off to, uh, you know, Representative Perlmutter and uh, my, my two senators, um, Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper, it's out the door. And uh, I, I've gotten feedback from uh, all the offices I've sent it to, um, you know, they're busy. So sometimes it's a little <laughs> bit of boilerplate. But being able to participate in the fly-in over the years, too, um, meeting with some of our congressional staff and representatives, um, they do matter. Those, those letters have an impact. They're um, waiting to hear from their constituents for what's really most important to us. So we all need to get out there and do that. Um, on our tool we have, I, I mentioned the fly-in. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, that's going to be a virtual event again. But we do have the virtual water week coming up April 25th through May 1st this year. Um, you know, WEF's working with a group of 17 different partners in the water industry to help elevate water as a national priority over Water Week. 
Um, and uh, ahead of the event on April 14th, there will be a webinar providing some guidance on how we can virtually lobby Congress effectively in the midst of the ongoing um, COVID pandemic here. And uh, I'd encourage everyone listening to this to reach out to your uh, member association government affairs committee. Uh, we want to make sure that we're coordinating some of these visits and we don't have six different people uh, giving the same message to to our, our Congress members. But reach out, coordinate that and set up some virtual Zoom meetings. Um, I found these to be really rewarding over the years, just uh, getting to understand a little more how that process works and how much um, my voice as a voter can mean to my elected representative, but how much our collective voice as the water sector is really important as well. Um, most of our elected representatives, um, I, I think, recognize how important water and sanitation is, um, you know, not just from the public health and environmental perspectives, but uh, economic vitality, you know, there's no job growth if there's no water. Uh, that housing, that new housing development isn't going in unless you can find water to uh, uh, water supply it and get, you know, get a new sewer line out there to serve, serve the, the wastewater side. So they recognize that without us, there's no growth, there's no economic vitality. Um, so I, I think our, it's good for them to hear from us and just a reminder that we're here as a resource um, and letting them know what, what we feel is most important as experts in our field. Sure. And then um, uh, along with that webinar on April 14th, April 27th, uh, from 2 to 4.30 uh, p.m. Eastern, we're going to be having a virtual Zoom in. So this is a great way for you to hear directly from um, EPA officials and members of Congress on important regulatory and legislative policies are working on uh, over the coming years. So um, I think that's a really great educational opportunity and gives you an idea of where we may need to focus some of that advocacy going forward. Yeah, pe and people can find uh, all the details here if they go to, to online to waterweek.us. So they can, they can link up, they can see the schedule and, and get plugged into all of this. Great. And if you're looking to sign up as a water advocate, if you go to weft.org slash advocacy, there's a link on that website as well. Um, and uh, you can sign up and, and get involved in that program as well. And then the last plug I want to make, um, you know, Travis, we started this talk uh, talking about our infrastructure funding position statement. Um, those those position statements don't come out of a vacuum. We work really closely with our membership um, experts in in you know the, the wastewater industry across the country here, um, and uh, so join a committee. Um, get involved, get, uh, and our committee members have been working with us really hard over the last few years to update our position statements on a whole slew of topics, um, and a lot of these are high priorities in the infrastructure funding plan. So the water infrastructure funding position statement that got uh, issued in February, we are, we've just wrapped up our climate change position statement, and that's going to the board here um, next week for our spring board meeting for approval. Um, and then we have uh, other statements around things like PFAS. Um, what are the impacts on wastewater from removing lead from drinking water? Um, biosolids, water reuse. So these statements um, are a good way for you to get involved and share your expertise, making sure we're hitting all the right talking points as we put them together. But then also uh, they're a really good background document for you to be able to understand kind of what the collective industry's um, position is on this, what we're trying to achieve, and it really gets down that bullet point level that allows you to more effectively communicate with your elected officials. Fantastic. 
Well, uh, Jamie, I think we have given all of the listeners here plenty of information that they can use and some and some ways that they can actually use this. And that's really what we're trying to do is with these position statements and uh, is to inform people, give them give them the information and then and, and get them to be part of the effort here that, that's so important on these critical issues. So uh, I'm grateful for your time and perspective on this. Yeah, and um, if I can make one one last plug, sure. um, I'll just say that as water professionals, I think we all have a real obligation, um, a duty to educate our elected officials, our ratepayers um, on the vulnerabilities to our water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure. We need to be out there advocating for adequate investment in this. Um, without clean water and sanitation, our economy can't function, our communities suffer. Um, one thing that's always stuck with me is, you know, um, under every road, there's three pipes. So we've got drinking water, wastewater, storm water, um, but they're buried. We, we can't see them, let alone all the infra other infrastructure that supports them, our treatment plants, our reservoirs, pump stations. Um, so it's up to us to um, you know, unbury those. We need to make sure that they're not going unnoticed, unseen, unappreciated. Um, and it's, a, it's an easy sell to make. There's been research around that every dollar spent on water infrastructure returns $3 in economic vitality. For every million dollars spent, we create 16 jobs. And as we come out of the pandemic in the coming months and we're looking towards that economic recovery, infrastructure is a really smart investment for the country overall. It'll help us create a ton of jobs, um, getting people back to work and doing it in a way that supports the public good. Um, and a lot of ways supporting some of our most vulnerable communities along the way. So um, I'm really excited about this uh, uh, renewed focus on infrastructure funding and um, can't, wait to, uh, uh, can't wait to see it move forward. Fantastic. Well, everybody listening, you've got your, you've got your information and your marching orders here from from Jamie, our, our president-elect. Um, it, it is a, a time of opportunity right now, so it is exciting, like you've said. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much. Thanks, Travis. Words on water.